Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development and to products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations, while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Angie Miller. She, her, hers. Angie is the Senior Business Manager in the Technology Transfer Division at LifeArc, where her role involves evaluating and translating great academic-derived science. As a member of the LifeArc Philanthropic Fund team, she also identifies and cultivates early-stage funding opportunities. Angie also leads the LifeArc Autumn Technology Transfer Training Fellowship Program. Prior to her time at LifeArc, Angie was a Senior Business Analyst in the Innovation Division at the Wellcome Trust. Prior to the Welcome Trust, Angie was a visiting professor at Fio Cruz in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And prior to this position, Angie was a senior intellectual property and contracts manager for St. George's University of London, as well as a patent analyst for Thomson Pharma. As someone with a lifelong love of science, Angie has a bachelor's degree in applied biology, a master's of science in human molecular genetics, and a PhD in cancer genetics from Imperial College London. Also, Angie has a master's in the management of intellectual property from Queen Mary University of London and a certificate in intellectual property. Angie is the VP of Communities on the board of ASTP, the European Technology Transfer Association. Also, as a staunch EDI advocate, Angie sits on the Autumn EDI Committee and is co-founder of Get It, standing for Global Equality, Diversity, and Inclusion in Technology Transfer, a platform and community with a mission to promote equality, diversity, and inclusion in tech transfer across the globe. And with that extremely impressive background, welcome to the podcast, Angie. Hi, glad to be here. Well, thanks so much again for taking part in the podcast. And Angie, I generally like to start the podcast off by asking my guests about their journey to tech transfer. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up at LifeArc? Yeah, it like so many um, in the technology transfer sector, it, it wasn't a direct route um, because most of us have professions beforehand. For me, I've always had a love of science. And um, after researching career options at a very early age, I knew I wanted to that to be my calling. My parents and siblings were really encouraging. So that just simply bolstered my ambitions. However, I had no um, role models to to reference or anyone that I could actually relate to in the sector. Um, at school, the career advice was not great. Um, basically, if I'd listened to what they'd said, I, I certainly wouldn't be here today. But despite everything, I persevered and, you know, definitely I made the right choice. And I knew that when I when I arrived at university, after three degrees and years of um, research in the lab in gene therapy, which was my selected area and the area that I really wanted to specialize in, um, I did start to question 
how I could use my skills and experience in a fulfilling profession, but not necessarily stay in the lab. And I came across intellectual property um, because our lab had um, technologies that were being developed. But what I found through research is that there was no direct route into the profession. Um, So someone like me who likes learning, I decided to work out a strategy um, that I would learn as much as I could um, about technology transfer and, and then leap into the profession. I was lucky enough that I found um, a master's at Queen Mary's, which I eventually um, embarked on, and I got a full fellowship to study intellectual property, management of intellectual property. And during that time, that one year, I had such an amazing time applying my scientific skills outside the lab that I haven't looked back since. Um, the transition to the lab, though, hasn't been easy, and it's presented a lot of challenges and setbacks. The technology transfer profession is, although it's, it's existed for decades, it's really not um, aligned with regards to layers and, and pro- progression, like in a lot of the other professions. Um, and then, you know, for me, it's really that. Even after 18 years in the profession, I look around and I'm the only black female in the room. So it, it's really where things haven't changed that much with since starting out. Um, but what I did and what I've continued to do is as soon as I had the opportunity and I had a platform, I, you know, I became a STEM ambassador. I started to talk about science. I, I want children in schools to not hold back on their ambitions and to realize that science is fun, but also to realize that you know, scientists exist both in and outside the, the lab, and they are diverse. Well, Angie, I have a follow-up question on that, because that's an amazing journey. And and you mentioned having no role models in science, and you got terrible career advice and, and being the only Black female in a room. What kept you going, and how did you persevere? I think my personality with my iron will, and then the thing is, um, Although it doesn't come across immediately, I am quite ambitious. And I thought about what I wanted to do, and I really do enjoy science. And I really do impact in patients and using my knowledge to make a difference. So it was just really where you find, when you find something that you enjoy doing as a profession, and you enjoy doing it, you truly do enjoy it day in, day out. No matter how difficult it is, you will persevere. And for me, it was really where I could see that not only was I enjoying it, but you, you you help others, you help the science in the lab to get to the patient. And then you see this as a profession that you can use this, you can get out. For me, I, I'm a people person, so I like I, I like getting out. It's it's and that's the challenge of being in a lab, um, particularly if it's a basement lab with no windows. But the thing is I, I like to get out, I, I I like to interact with others. So being able to to combine my personality, my likes, my passions with my skills and experience, that's what keeps me going. So switching gears a bit, for those of our listeners who are not familiar with LifeArc, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yes. Um, LifeArc is a self-funded charity focused on translation. We have a 25-year legacy of collaborating with scientists on diagnostics and therapies 
enhancing and protecting innovation and advancing promising research. We partner with a broad range of groups, including medical research charities, research organisations, industry and academic scientists involved in improving the lives of patients. Our work transforms medical innovations into benefits for patients. This involves progressing work from early lab-based findings through development to a point where it can be used in patients. By working in this way, we play a key role in developing new treatments, medicines, diagnostics, technologies, or information resources, and in helping to turn research into practical products that benefit patients. Now, Angie, in addition to your tech transfer role at LifeArc, you also lead Autumn's Technology Transfer Training Fellowship Program. Can you talk about this specifically, what that fellowship is and how it works? The LifeArc Autumn Technology Transfer Fellowship is a one-year program that equips academic life scientists at the graduate or postdoctoral level with the skills and knowledge to transition into careers in technology transfer. Um, the curriculum combines formal training through in-person courses, webinars, and talks by experts with networking and practical experience. Each fellow is mentored by an expert mentor who is usually a veteran in the technology transfer sector. And then they are encouraged to explore every aspect and opportunity that the fellowship presents. The fellowship is now in its fifth year so we're, we're recruiting at the moment. Um, and this was established through a collaboration with the Autumn Foundation. To date, the program has trained 29 fellows to become technology transfer professionals. And we take pride in the fact that each year, more than 90% of the fellows secure a technology transfer position before completing the program. This program speaks to one of my passions and it addresses the need to highlight the options available to scientists who are committed to improving on-mail healthcare needs, but do not want to follow the standard set career path in science where you lead a group. Um, the programme creates a clear, supported path into the technology transfer profession. Oh, that's a really amazing program. And I think it's great that you're working on helping people find tech transfer positions uh, in a more easily available manner than than they would otherwise. So, but switching gears a little bit, I wanted to ask you, Angie, can you tell us about the gene therapy innovation hubs established by LifeArc and the Medical Research Council with support from the Biotechnology and Biological Sciences Research Council? Yeah, this is a fantastic initiative that was launched earlier this year. This is an 18 million joint investment um, and it involves the generation of a network of gene therapy innovation hubs. The three new dedicated facilities will enable more rapid development of novel gene therapies to take place in the UK. The new hubs will unlock development pathways for novel genetic medicines by offering access to good manufacturing practice facilities for clinical trial materials alongside essential translation support and regulatory advice. As, as centres of advanced therapy excellence, these hubs will deliver extensive training and skill programmes to generate highly skilled workforce to address the shortage of skills in GMP manufacturing in the UK. Angie, can you tell us about some of the funding opportunities that are available to academics and researchers from LifeArc? Sure. I mean, we have 
two um, set funding schemes. Um, and both of these address some of the gaps in the translation journey from pre-seed to venture support, offering an integrated funding model for biomedical sciences. This includes our philanthropic fund, which provides grants for rare disease science, irrespective of commercial viability. And then the seed fund, which is aimed at developing new therapeutics and biological modalities. We also have um, a structure where we partner with other charities to fund promising translational research. This includes joint funding calls with Great Ormond Street Hospital, Action Medical Research, Chief Scientist Office for the Scottish Government, and more recently, a one million joint fund created with the Motor Neuron Disease Association. Now, Angie, switching gears a little bit, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is most important in managing innovations to have the greatest opportunity for success? It's a great question, but it's a tough one. Um, the problem is I don't think there is a simple answer or a single factor. I think it's important that there's good understanding of the technology, the needs of the end user, um, the competitive landscape, development pathway, and route to market. You know, there are many great science projects that are being developed in academic research labs. However, if we define success as being technology that impacts the respective patient group, then grant science needs to be translatable to the real life problem, which in many cases is curing or managing a disease. So in my opinion, effective innovation management also requires planning and transparency and good communication with the inventor or technology owner. I think it's a combination of everything really does help to, to actually manage technology to success. Switching gears a little bit, Angie, I wanted to ask you about corporate and academic partners. Can you tell us a little bit about the role that they play in technology transfer at LifeArc? Sure. At LifeArc, um, we work with a, a wide range of, of partners, and all of these are focusing on translating technologies so they impact the patient. Both the academic and corporate um, partners are of great importance when translating science, as they both play vital roles in the development pathway of any technology. A prime example for us at LifeArc is reflected in our work through our philanthropic fund. As I mentioned before, that this fund funds um, research that addresses a rare indication. But normally when the technologies come through or when the proposals are submitted, there is usually um, a patient-led charity that's involved and it could be that they are co-supporting or they're contributing in some way. So, you know, as the technology develops, the corporate partner then plays a key factor to actually get the technology on the market to the patient. So for us, it, it's vital. And these roles are vital to any technology that we, we hope to get to the patient. Now, Angie, I know LifeArc has helped to bring a number of new innovations to market. In fact, as a result of LifeArc's proprietary antibody humanization technique, it's contributed to bringing four humanized antibody drugs to market. Can you tell us a little bit about these four antibodies as well as some of the other successful technologies that have come from LifeArc? Yeah, thanks. Um, this is something that 
you know, it's it's part of our, our legacy and we're, we're really quite proud of the four humanized antibody drugs that we've contributed towards that are currently on the market are Tisabri, which was humanized on behalf of Elon and Biogen, EDEC. And this is a monoclonal antibody for the treatment of multiple sclerosis and Crohn's disease. We've also um, helped with Actembra, which is for Roche. And this is a treatment for rheumatoid arthritis, and it's available in over 90 countries. And Tivio, a monoclonal antibody marketed by Takeda. And this is for the treatment of ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. And then there's Katrida, an immunotherapy drug licensed as a treatment for a number of cancers, including melanoma, non-small cell lung cancer, and classical Hodgkin's lymphoma. Our expertise in diagnostics has enabled us to develop the Carboplex assay. And this is a rapid diagnostic test for the detection of carbapenem resistance. And this was in collaboration with Renishaw Diagnostics. Well, that's extremely impressive, Angie. And those are some tremendous successes. And along with success comes challenges. So what would you say two of your office's biggest challenges are? Um, I think like every establishment functioning technology transfer sector, um, capacity is a challenge. Translating science takes time and resources. And despite the recognized need, there is only so much that anyone can do. Um, so, you know, for us at LifeArc, it's, it's exactly the same thing. I think the second, I think the second challenge would is would be more generic to, and this would be for any early stage technologies, and that's that's funding. Um, you know, the well described valley of death is even more of a challenge when you're looking to address rare indications, where the patient numbers are low and the complexity of the work requires close collaboration with a number of partners. Um, this need is part of the reason why we developed the philanthropic fund. So, Angie, switching gears, equity, diversity, inclusion is slowly being addressed in every sector. As an EDI advocate, can you tell us what changes you feel are necessary in the UK technology transfer sector? Yeah, until recently, equality, diversity and inclusion was not even a conversation in the UK technology transfer sector, despite the value of diversity being widely recognised. If you take as an example race, although diversity is much broader, but if you just use this as an just as an example, approximately 13.8% of the UK population is from a minority ethnic background, with London having 40% of its population from the Black, Asian, and minority ethnic backgrounds. However, if you look at representation of these groups in the UK technology transfer sector. The figure is in the single digits. The problem doesn't reside with technology transfer in isolation. It is also a major problem within the further and higher education systems. As all of those in the technology transfer sector have one or more degrees, the disparity in representation is compounded in technology transfer or when they enter that profession. Yet it was founded to raise awareness and help establish equality, diversity and inclusion in technology transfer globally. And we're creating a forum to discuss and address equality, diversion and inclusion. Encouragingly, I was recently on a Praxis Oral panel where the extent of the situation was openly discussed 
we had the opportunity to gauge the response and the need for assistance to address, you know, the, the lack of diversity in the TT sector. Through GEDIT, we will continue to raise awareness and work with all establishments until, you know, equality, diversity and inclusion is something of the norm. And for our listeners who may have not listened to our episode where we talk about Get It, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to uh, episode number 51. So switching gears a little bit, Angie, I wanted to ask for your view on credentialing, things like the registered technology transfer professional, the RTTP designation, the certified licensing professional, the CLP designation. What's your thought on credentialing and do you think it makes a difference? Absolutely, it makes a difference. It's it's for me. It's it's a it's something I decided on very early, um, and I think it's particularly um, poignant in the technology transfer field. Despite this profession existing for decades, and most practitioners having multiple degrees, it's one of the professions that many people are not aware of. So you're often having to explain your role, which is usually quite broad and, and difficult to articulate. Um, you know, I'm a strong proponent of continuous development. Um, and I mentioned before that, you know, I worked out a plan exactly not only how I was going to get into the sector, but also how I was going to continue to train and develop once I was in the sector. And I think the credentials that are associated with technology transfer, which is RTTP and CLP, are key and they, they really do demonstrate your proficiency and your skills with with dealing with any matter that's TT related. Maintaining the credentials is just as important as obtaining them. Technology transfer is a mix of science, business and law. And in the same manner that a lawyer or a doctor will keep up with developments and maintain their skills, a technology transfer professional should be doing the same. I obtained my RTT P certification in 2012 and my CLP in 2014. And I ensure that through practice and training that my skills and are kept up to, to date. And my knowledge ensures that I still qualify for recertification. I make a point of stressing the importance of these accreditations when mentoring the Life Alcorton Fellows with regards to managing their careers and, and developing within the role. Now, Angie, I generally like to close the podcast by asking my guests, if you could have any three wishes granted or a vision realized for your office, what would that be? This is one of the toughest questions, I think, um, because one, three wishes is far too, it's far too me, far too few. Um, I think my wishes would have to be directed more towards my passions. And as you now realize, there are, there are, quite a few of them. I think the first probably would be um, the fact that knowing the plight and challenge that patients with rare diseases face, it would be that rare indications would be addressed with the same zeal as indications of other more common diseases. And then anything that's developed would be accessible and affordable globally. This would mean that rare diseases with no cure or treatment would be a thing of the past. The second, I think, would be that technology transfer as a profession would be valued and supported. For example, every technology transfer office 
is understaffed and overstretched. And although the office is an integral part of the educational establishment, they're often seen as a secondary function. The impact of innovation is not only due to great technology and a mix of the right parties. Technology transfer practitioners play a vital role behind the scenes. I think the the recent response to COVID is, is a prime example of this. And then I think my third would be that I wish that equality, diversity and inclusion would be the norm and at the heart of all activities, including the technology transfer sector. Every person, irrespective of race, gender, class, would be free to be themselves and valued for their individuality. Well, those are three fantastic wishes, Angie. Thank you very much for those. And I really hope that people like you and and our listeners can all work together to help make those three wishes come true. Well, Angie, I can't thank you enough for all your insights and time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. If any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions, where can they reach you? Sure, they can reach me um, on the following email. It's angie.miller at lifearc.org. Great. Thanks so much again, Angie. It's been really great to have this opportunity to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses, insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and a line on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.